And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. It's time to catch up once again with Luke Smith from Envision Financial. Good afternoon. How are we? How are Very we? well. But Luke, it feels, it feels like it was just a couple of hours you were here. Well, you know, it's, it's funny how the day just flies by. Every other day is Friday <laughs> yeah, and we I, say that every week. So. It's, it's Friday again <laughs> so soon, but there we go. Exactly. That's all right. We enjoy Fridays. Fridays are our favourite day for all kinds of reasons. And today we're going to continue our series on different kinds of insurance. Yep. Today we're taking a look at life insurance, how to use it and how to pay for it. So Luke, what yep. is life cover used for? Isn't it yep. for when you die? Yeah, exactly. The definition of death hasn't it's, changed Why is it called soon. life insurance? It's, it's yes. actually death insurance, isn't it? Yes, well, exactly. Um, so yeah, look, today we're going to talk about life cover. We've talked about trauma and income protection in previous shows. This is one that I think is, is quite relevant because everybody generally has this in their super fund in most situations. I thought you were going to say because everybody's going to die, but anyway. Well, <laughs> it's every now and then people might, but, you know, give me give me a couple of years. Yeah, um, yeah so life cover's there as a, a, an, an option. Structurally, you can hold it through superannuation or you can own it in your own name. Depending on how you own it, it may or may not be deductible, but that's for a discussion, uh, I think, on next week's show where we'll cover off what is and isn't deductible. But life cover for me is a is an estate planning tool and a peace of mind tool to be able to allow people to extinguish existing liability. So it may be a mortgage, it may be a yeah. debt on an investment property, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the classic example, isn't it? Because I remember when I got married, we bought a house. Yep. Uh, when we bought the house, the bank said, well, you've got to have insurance. Yep. And so the point was you had enough life insurance to pay off the mortgage yep. in case I didn't make it and then the spouse yep. was able to continue living in the house. Correct. You see? Yeah, that's exactly right. Because you go and borrow in, in, in a situation where there's a couple, you generally put your best foot forward and say, right, we have two incomes, we've borrowed to that capacity and we need both incomes to be able to service that debt so that example is fantastic because if you took one of the incomes out of the 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 funding equation and then consider your living costs school fees food and everything else life may change significantly if you don't have both incomes so being able to pay off all or half or a large portion of the debt is is a very prudent way of having the peace of mind that if anything does unfortunately happen you're not leaving your family in a situation where they could be under financial distress. And of course, while the mortgage is the obvious one, you might have other debts as well. So the uh, smart thing to do would be to add them all up and calculate how much would be required to make sure that your surviving family is going to be okay. Spot on. And that's where I generally say to people, you tell me why, and then we can work it backwards. Because the assumption that you need something um, can can leave you either overinsured or underinsured. The other important thing to consider is review it. You know, when you are younger and you've got younger kids and you've got school fees and a bigger mortgage, jump forward, you know, a number of years and you may have paid the house off, inherited some money, kids have finished school fees. You need to be checking this stuff. I find a lot of people come in and go, oh, I've got some of that. And I say, well, when did you take this out? Oh, 20 years ago. And they may have been paying for something that you didn't need. Or you could have had an improved contract or a definition um, that may be better than what you have and you could have additionally saved some money as well. So I think it's important from a life perspective, look at your existing debts, look at other fixed costs, look at the ability to generate income for your family. And I find this one gets missed a lot because it's just not considered. And what I mean by that is, if I'm earning $100,000 and my partner's working and there's school fees and kids and everything else going on and I die, 
there's some regular income that has been removed from that family unit that most people want to replace. And an example of how to do that would be to say, okay, I've got a million dollars of life cover. I could generate a 5% income stream from that. So I know that will generate a $50,000 income for the family to keep life going as you know it, because everybody has different living costs and different fixed expenses. So one, extinguish primary home debts primarily. Two, consider paying off investment loan debt so that the family could collect rental income, for example. Yes. And then three, consider prepaying uh, fixed costs like school fees, childcare, and all of those sorts of things. And then four, consider using a lump sum amount of money in your estate to let your family generate a reoccurring amount of income that could be used for paying childcare fees, school fees, living costs, grocery bills, car leases, and and sustain life as you know it. Because the last thing I find people want to do is have to change their lifestyle after a horrible event like losing a loved one. Yeah, absolutely. Now, here's the uh, here's the crunch question. Mm. Does there come a time in your life when you decide, I don't need it anymore? For example, you've paid off your mortgage. Yeah. You've divorced. Yeah. Your kids are all grown up and looking after themselves. Yeah. Is it a waste of money then to have life insurance? Well, I don't think it's a waste of money, but I think you could. You always need to uh, reassess your situation. Uh, you know, I had, a, I had a listener in this week. Um, let's call him Grant, change his name to Protect Innocent. And, you know, with a significant amount of income, was paying for income protection late in his 60s because it was a default option through his fund and looked at him and said, what do you need this for? We've just assessed you need that, 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 and you can retire tomorrow if you feel like it. And he went, oh, yeah. Oh, beauty. I don't have any debt. I don't have mortgages. I don't have young children. My kids are big enough and ugly enough to look after themselves. And where there is enough in the estate bucket or the the capital bucket, 100%. Knock it on the head. And that's why through this insurance series, I guess the thing people should take out from this is review, 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 because your situation does change. Your income changes, your debts change, kids grow up, they move out, they come back, they move out, they come back, they move out and come back again probably. Um, So you need to make sure that what you have is relevant and and it pays to just be across what you're incurring cost-wise. Um, because you don't want to be wasting money where you don't need it. Absolutely. And that's so true because uh, your circumstances just keep on changing right throughout your life. You, know, it's, yep. it, you, you think things are moving slowly, but they are still moving. Yeah, and look, I think the, another really important consideration here for the listeners is the government is proposing some very, very significant changes in the quality and the offerings of contracts later in the year, and there is talk that they will be trying to dumb down or remove some key benefits under some changes in legislation. So now's a really good time to make sure that you've got the best possible definitions and an appropriate contract for the longer term because come October, you may be unable to get a range of inclusions under a new policy if some certain pieces of legislation are passed. Okay, and, um, so and they remove options under existing policies. That's something that remains unknown at this point as to whether or not it will happen. Correct. But, but there's a, there's it's a very, always good to be prepared. Yeah, and look, an idea on the side that it will happen yeah. um, in light of some of the ridiculous changes that have been made in the last couple of years to the industry. So in that light, you just mentioned something. You, you said definitions. So yep. what are we talking about here when we're talking about definitions? So when I say definitions, every policy will have a purpose. So life cover says, all right, in the event that you die someone gets X. 
and you make a nomination to say where that money is going to be paid. And if it's through your super fund, you can have a what they call a binding death nomination that says that the trustee of the super fund will pay it to a specific person. If you own the life cover personally, you can nominate a beneficiary to receive that money. Could be kids, could be the estate, could be could be a range of, of places that it can go. But when it comes to actually claiming, the definition of any policy is very important. In relation to life cover, some differences in the definition could be if you're diagnosed with a terminal illness, will we pay it out in 24 months before your death or 12 months before your death? Now, if you've been diagnosed with some sort of horrible event, um, you want your money as soon as you can. And that comes back to what I've said in previous shows about understand your definitions and your inclusions because they're not all the same. And the worst mistake somebody could make is to assume you have something and find out that it's actually not in your contract because it's held in super, held yeah. outside of super, et cetera, et cetera. And if you have a life insurance policy, are there some occasions when it won't cover your death? Are there some uh, circumstances yeah. where that might yeah. be the case? So again, with all policies, as part of the application process, you want to know that you've been medically underwritten. And I, I, I recommend strongly that that peace of mind of going through the rigmarole or jumping through the hoops, as people say, at the time of application, provide some clarity around what you are and are not covered for. An insurance company always has the ability to exclude a pre-existing condition. Yeah. Um, and obviously, as part of the disclosure process during the application stage, laying all of that out and telling the truth is very, very important. So there are instances where it may not be paid. A retail contract in Australia generally won't pay uh, a suicide benefit in the first 13 months of the policy being taken out. So there are certain things that are impacted by legislation or, yep. or the, the, the policy rules. There's also things that are impacted depending on the type of cover. So something that may stop you or be limited in an income protection policy, for example, if I had my right knee reconstructed three times, from an income protection perspective, an income poli protection policy might say, Luke, we'll cover you for everything except your right knee because you're bringing that to us busted. Yes. Now, my right knee is not going to be an issue for life cover. Right. But it may be for income protection. So it depends on the type of policy you're taking out. Yeah. And generally speaking, life cover is, is, is pretty broad and it, it's, it's pretty easy to attain. But it's also then not excluded from things like loadings or exclusion. So BMI, family history, all of those things can be considered as part mm. of the application process. Now, we've spoken in the past about total and permanent disability. Is that yep. normally a feature that's included in life insurance or is that a separate policy? That's a, that's a separate contract altogether. So a life contract generally says in the event that you die... Now, step back a, a second. Some other exclusions could be an act of war. All right. So if you you know if, if you're taking out a life insurance policy and say well I'm going to go and live in a war zone, mm -hmm. there's a very good chance that you'll be covered for everything that may be physical or, or accidental, but they may have a, a war exclusion or a, a location exclusion because of where you're going. Yes. But again, you you know that when you take that out because it's fully disclosed up front. Um, but to come back to what you said before about TPD, a life contract is a life contract. In the event that I die, I get a sum of money paid to somebody. From a TPD perspective, that is total permanent disability. Now, they can, and you see through industry funds and personal super funds, they're generally held together. So you see on your statement, we have life and TPD, and they may be the same amount. But TPD is total permanent disability. If I'm unable to perform either my own occupation or any occupation that I'm suitably trained and qualified to undertake, 
if a medical practitioner says I can't do that job, then you would be paid a lump sum amount of money because you haven't died, yeah. but your ability to work and earn money has been taken from you. Okay. But it's it's a separate policy? Correct. Or, yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah. So what are some of the things that people should be keeping in mind when thinking about taking out life insurance cover? Well, understand your why. As we've said in, in previous shows, start with why and work backwards. And when I have conversations with people and say, look, give me your top three or four things that would worry you if something happened, it's generally extinguishing debt, making sure my family are okay, paying for kids' educations, paying off investment property so you can collect the rent, and then any other specific objective that you may have. You may want to equalise an estate. So if you're going to give a house to son number one, give a million dollars to daughter number two. And the life contract is a very good way to balance that up where you don't potentially want to split up assets or one person likes something more than another. So estate equalisation is another great way of using a life policy to be able to do that. From a business perspective, using a life contract to pay out the market value of a business share is very, very advantageous because a lot of businesses don't have the free capital or don't want to borrow money to say, I'm in business with Billy Billy's died, Mm -hmm. Billy's wife wants the $2 million market value that her husband owns in shares, a life contract is a great way to allow me to protect the business and control the shareholding and to fund out Billy's share that can then be passed to his family and remove any sort of concern about sale values and things like that. Now, that's generally called key person insurance, but a life contract is what you use to provide the funding mechanism for that. Know where you're going to hold the cover. Am I holding it in my own name? Am I holding it through superannuation? Is the premium tax deductible or not? We're talking about that next week on the show, so listen in for that one. Know how much income your family needs to have replaced. So if you're contributing a certain amount of income or you know that school fees are X, childcare is X, and lifestyle is X, work out a lump sum amount of money. As I said earlier, a million dollars tax-free at 5% investment, there's $50,000 coming in to replace what you're contributing to the family. So think about the ongoing income needs, not just the debt position of the family. Don't assume that your cover through your super fund is cheap. I also find this one, people come in and go, oh, it's okay, it's through the industry fund, it's cheap. It generally isn't. And you can normally get much better cover with better definitions at a, at a similar or cheaper price. So check don't assume um, and also understand the definitions that you have do you have a 24 month terminal illness benefit do you have a 12 month terminal illness benefit um, so that you know what you're paying for because the last thing you want to do is assume you're getting something and you don't when you need it most indeed of course the only upside is that you won't know because you're dead correct not your problem <laughs> happy days <laughs> But, of course, we're doing this for our loved ones, <laughs> exactly. and that's the important thing. Exactly. I'm with Luke, Luke Smith from Envision Financial. Today we've been talking about life insurance cover, how to use it and how to pay for it. Mm. Well, you know, normally you make an electronic transfer, don't you? That's how you pay for it. Well, it depends who owns it. Yeah, Good well, point. Okay. So, depends who owns it. Now, we've covered uh, we've covered what it is and why it is and yep. how much do you need, but uh, yep. what are the key strategy tips that people should keep in mind? Yeah, so as we said before the ad break, understand why you have your cover and review the amount with your changing situation. Make sure that you don't forget to consider adding a reoccurring income stream to your family, as we said before the ad break. In that example, million dollars of cover, 
5% income. Now, it could be 5% income, could be 3% income, relevant to whatever you want to do, but make sure that you you, you understand what's going to be generated. It could be you, that you take that million dollars and buy two investment properties and they generate a 3.5% yield. Great. Just know your numbers and, and, and adjust the lump sum cover accordingly. Know who's going to own the policy. Is it super? Is it non-super? Very importantly, know where the money's going to be paid. A policy outside of super paid to an adult, tax-free. A policy inside of super paid to a non-dependent child or an adult, taxable. And we'll touch on taxable and tax-free next week um, when we when we discuss the de- deductibility. Um, remember that if you're paying the premium for a super-owned contract, it will count towards your $25,000 concessional cap. So that may limit your ability to put cash into superannuation, so be aware of that. Make sure you've covered your fixed costs. Replace the income, as I said. Uh, And importantly, don't assume that your default cover through super is cheap. Check the definition and check the price in the open market because you may be able to get a better policy outside of super. And one thing people do need to remember is we're not telling you to move super funds. You can be in Australian super, you can be in care super, you can be in whatever you want, and you can hold a policy provided by an insurance company and still use the money out of your existing superannuation fund to pay the premium. It doesn't have to be owned by your specific investment fund. So keep that in mind because you want as much choice and as much flexibility as possible to get the sharpest premium in the market for the level of cover that you want. Yeah, that's an important point. Uh, Just because you are with a particular super company doesn't mean you have to use their insurance product. Spot on, because what an insurance company will do is let's call it ABC Insurance, they will put your life insurance inside a superannuation fund that holds just your policy. And it sounds silly, but under the rollover rules then, we can take money from Australian Super or anywhere else, we can roll it over to the fund that owns your insurance, and you can take advantage of their definitions and their pricing, which may be better and cheaper than the exact equivalent in the investment superannuation account that you maintain already. So be mindful of that. You're not locked into the provider of your superannuation investment fund. Yeah, certainly an important point. So, Luke, where can listeners get more information? Yep. Yeah, so if you've got cover, you want it reviewed or you want to try and consider a saving, uh, 62604749, give the girls a ring and, and make an appointment. We've got envisionfinancial.com.au on the website. You can go to the Knowledge Centre and we've got a whole raft of technical information in there about life cover, TPD, income protection and the like. The podcast, The Strategy Stacker, Luke Talks Money on iTunes and Spotify. And YouTube, we've got Envision Financial Canberra on YouTube, so subscribe to that and you'll catch all of the all of the shows and you can watch it rather than read it, listen to it. We've got something for everybody there depending on how you want to consume the info. But the important thing is people are, are out there reviewing what they have and not just paying for something that they may not need. You could use the money for other things and, and have the appropriate amount of cover and the right definition in place. I swear you've got more social media than Kim Kardashian. Oh, slow down, slow down, <laughs> slow down. Luke Smith, thanks very much, and we'll Mate. catch up with you again next week. We'll see you next Friday.